Some images from well-known stories are burned into the conscience of our culture. Whether they be tales of heroic deeds that have been used to inspire youth, such as the vision, courage, and stamina of Ernest Shackleton, whose leadership on an Antarctic expedition that went very wrong saved the lives of his entire crew. There are stories of dedication and compassion that inspire millions, such as the example of Florence Nightingale, the lady with the lamp, whose tireless sacrifices as a wartime nurse in the Crimea earned the respect of an army and an empire. But few stories in history or literature garner as much interest as works that lay claim to predicting the future. Some want to know the future for the personal advantage it can provide. Others seek it out of fear. The world today is full of anxiety. The coronavirus pandemic of recent date, experienced by most nations on the earth, has caused enormous social and economic disruption. Many are curious about what this means for their future. Still others look at the growing social unrest in nations and fear what will happen, especially if what is considered the most powerful nation on the earth becomes unstable or worse, is torn apart by civil unrest. What does the future hold? So many would like to know. On today's program, we will examine the most referenced of all prophetic imagery, the renowned Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Just how could they impact your life and future? Stay tuned. In the not-too-distant past, say 50 years ago, most of our society at least knew of the book called the Bible. They had heard some of its stories, which sometimes included prophets' predictions or visions of a future time and events. In the 21st century, few are familiar with those accounts, even if they attend a church, especially the prophetic sections which are seldom read. So let us first examine the source account of the Four Horsemen, which is part of a much larger vision recorded in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. This final section of scripture was recorded by the apostle known as John. It is rather important to note that what was written down by John, according to the text of Revelation itself, was a message or vision given to him by none other than the resurrected Jesus Christ. That is, it is not John's message, but a message from Christ delivered through John. The vision was delivered while John was being detained by the Romans in a prison colony on the island of Patmos, off the east coast of present-day Turkey. It is generally dated around AD 90, when the apostle would have been a very old man. This was at least 60 years after the resurrection and 20 years after the Roman-Jewish War had devastated Jerusalem. It is thought that John was released not long after the vision when he returned to Ephesus where he wrote down what he had received. To start with, let us look at the word apocalypse. It is derived from a Greek word meaning to reveal or revelation, largely because of the rather catastrophic disasters predicted within the vision that John received 
The word today is often used to refer to horrifically destructive events. To set the context of the message of the Four Horsemen, let us look first at the beginning of chapter 5 of the book of Revelation. John here sees a vision of the resurrected Christ appearing before the throne of God the Father, from whom he received a scroll that only he could open and reveal its contents. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? John now observes Jesus opening the seals, each of which, when removed, allowed a portion of the scroll to be unrolled. With each exposed part of the scroll, a message is uncovered about something which is to occur in time order. John recorded these messages as he was commanded. I shall be back in a moment to go over this incredible message, one that reveals events to occur in the near future. But first, I would like to introduce our free offer for today. Many claim the book of Revelation is one that cannot be understood, yet God intended it to be understood. The late minister and biblical scholar Mr. John O'Gwyn wrote a booklet designed to help the average person gain a solid understanding of this vision. It demystifies this remarkable prophecy, showing clearly the future events that will likely impact your lives in the years shortly ahead of us. There's no cost or obligation. Here is how you can order yours. Don't miss out on this exciting opportunity. Call the number on your screen and ask for your free copy of Revelation, The Mystery Unveiled, or order online at twcanada.org. Many dismiss Revelation because they don't know what it means. You can understand Revelation, and we're happy to send you this study guide at no cost because we think it's important that you do. Dial the number on your screen or visit us online to get your free copy. If you missed our contact information this time, keep watching and I will be back to give it again. Welcome back to our analysis of the message about the four horsemen. Let us now look at the text describing these horsemen, and then we will use the Bible to help interpret what is being said. The first horseman. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. The first seal revealed that a horseman on a white horse, wearing a crown and carrying a bow, would seek conquests. Some compare this scripture with Revelation 19, verses 11 to 16. In these verses, Jesus is shown returning to the earth with the armies of heaven to take over direct rulership of the planet. There is a great variance in the description and stated objectives compared with the Revelation 6 horsemen. As our booklet, Revelation the Mystery Unveiled, demonstrates, the white horse of Revelation 6 rides at the very beginning of the end-time events, while Revelation 19 verses 11 to 12 describes the final intervention of Christ. As you will see, the first horseman of Revelation 6 wants to appear as if he represents Christ, but is in fact a deceiver. 
we will see shortly that other scriptures show this is indeed the case. The second horseman. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. From this description, the second horse is associated with causing human warfare, resulting in much death and suffering on the earth. The third horseman. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Most scholars agree that this third horse depicts scarcity and famine which of course is a natural consequence of war bringing about the destruction of crops and food distribution systems. The fourth horseman. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of a fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed with him, and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by beasts of the earth. The fourth horseman on the pale horse depicts the massive catastrophe caused by years of war, culminating in famine and disease epidemics, and resulting in the death of 25% of the earth's population. This is a predicted disaster that is incomprehensible to us today. Exactly what do these four equestrian visions really mean? There is an old principle, let the Bible interpret the Bible. So what of these symbolic writers? Another description of these events can be found about 60 years further back in time, in the days just before Jesus was arrested and later killed by crucifixion. In Matthew 24, Jesus was at the great temple complex it was an impressive sight, and the disciples were commenting on its grandeur. The temple that had been reconstructed by Herod the Great was one of the most magnificent structures of antiquity, in both structure and beauty. Some of the foundational stones weighed as much as 80 tons. The author of the Gospel of Mark, speaking of the same event, shows that as they were leaving the complex, the disciples commented on the splendor of the edifice, and Jesus made a reply. Then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here? And Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. This statement from Jesus was not what they were expecting and must have shocked the disciples as they could not imagine such a structure would ever be destroyed. They must have been anxious to ask him about this prediction. And when they got to the Mount of Olives, from which they could see the temple complex, the disciples asked him a very specific question. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, 
when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Please note, they asked him very specifically when this temple would be absolutely destroyed, and also what would be the key signs that would indicate the return of Christ to the earth to end this age and usher in a new one. In other words, they wanted to know what would happen at the very end of the age, so one could know it was imminent. So Christ began to answer them. He was not speaking about things that would be a problem or a characteristic throughout the ages, but that which would immediately precede his second coming. In truth, he was not even speaking about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem that would occur in AD 70, only 39 years after he made these prophecies. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Jesus here gives a list of events that would occur in sequence at the very end of the age, just prior to his return. He is not speaking of conditions that would have prevailed throughout much of history and just grow worse at the end. You will note that the first four seals of Revelation match perfectly the order in which Christ speaks of events just prior to his second coming in the scripture we just read. The first seal. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Now compare this again to Matthew 24. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Putting this statement in Matthew with that of Revelation 6, we see it as predicting that before the coming of Christ, as a sign that the time of the end is very near, there will arise on the earth many false teachers and one great deceiving religious leader who will convince almost all people on earth into following his direction. They will think this man speaks for God, yet in truth he will be a servant of Satan. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. The Bible further describes the deceptive power of this man who is given the ability even to perform miracles directly from Satan. The first horseman, therefore, refers to a yet-to-come religious leader who will be the power behind the civil authority that is represented by a great beast in the book of Revelation. The deceiving religious leader, however, will come first. Beware, lest you fall victim to the deluding power of this man. He will likely condemn many of the liberal excesses and combine this conservative message with miracles.
People will follow, but they will have been tricked. Note Jesus' word of warning. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. False religion has been around since Satan deceived Eve in the Garden of Eden. It's nothing really new. What is new and unique about this first horseman, sometimes referred to in Scripture as the false prophet, is that he will lead an end-time revival of false religion and will seek to destroy any vestige of the truth of God. He will appear before the second horseman. We don't have time in this program to cover this topic in the detail it deserves. So if you would like to know more about this and related topics about the prophecies of the coming end of this age, please take a minute to call the number on your screen or contact us online or by mail to order your free publication, Revelation, The Mystery Unveiled. I'll be right back to look at the next three horsemen of the apocalypse. To request your free copy, call the number displayed on the screen and ask for Revelation the Mystery Unveiled. You can also order online at TWCanada.org. Have you ever asked where is the world headed or what does the future hold for me? We answer these questions and more in our magazine, Tomorrow's World. It's also yours free of charge. Don't wait. Call or visit us online to get your free copy of Revelation the Mystery Unveiled and Tomorrow's World magazine. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's program. On today's program, we have been discussing the four horsemen of Revelation 6. These horsemen are unleashed as the first four seals are broken. We have seen that the first horseman, let loose when the first seal is broken, is a prophecy and a warning that prior to the end of the age, a great false religious leader will arise and using the name of Christ will actually turn people away from the true God. The second seal. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. Now compare this to Christ's statement in the Olivet Prophecy. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. The false prophet will restore an evangelical zeal, especially in the heartland of Europe, but also throughout many parts of the world. This new fervor will now make way for the rise of a political leader who will likely claim to seek to restore moral decency and with the encouragement of the false prophet, people will flock to him. We also find out in other scriptures, this man will be possessed by an evil spirit. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. With this power of evil backing him, he will draw together a core of ten nations and perhaps many other allies and commence to go to war, likely to crush opposition to this new power and to any who oppose the teachings of the false prophet. We are told in scripture 
that this beast will exercise power for three and one half years and take special opportunity to persecute the true followers of Christ. The second seal will be opened and the second horseman will ride. As we have shown in other publications, unless our nations repent of breaking God's laws, they will be defeated and taken captive by the horsemen of the second seal. The third seal. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. And so I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Compare this to Christ's statement in Matthew 24. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. One of the most common outcomes of war is massive famine. The third seal speaks of famine. Wars are often fought with expeditions launched at times of the year best for advancing armies. This is most commonly during the growing or harvest seasons when there's less rain or inclement weather. But the consequence is a loss of food. Combined with destruction of food, transportation and distribution systems, as well as processing facilities. This together with violent occupation of lands results in famine, which will kill more than the conflict. Famine is one of the most terrible plights that can befall a people. It is humiliating and all vestiges of civilized behavior go out the window. Law and order breaks down, mercy ends, and eventually individual survival is the only rule. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. One quarter of humanity will die by plague and famine. That would be about two billion people at the current time. There is a reason why people fear the four horsemen. Yet the Bible gives us hope as well, not only of the future beyond these terrible times to come, but even for us today. That hope, however, is 100% reliant on our willingness to obey our Father in heaven. That assurance is for us, and because of us, even our families may be spared if we heed God. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him, for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. We have not yet seen the beginning of the rides of the four horsemen, but they will come. The growing dysfunction in our Western societies and the total rejection of Christian morality is evidence that we are nearing the time of their fateful run. We do not need to be deceived by what's coming. 
We have a great warning given to us in the scriptures. God will grant us knowledge and guidance, which if followed, will see us through the challenging times ahead. We can faithfully and courageously take an uncompromising stand for the truth of God, and by so doing, we can choose to live under the protection of the Almighty. Please take the time to contact us and access the free offer today, Revelation, the Mystery Unveiled. Stay tuned as we answer your questions from the Bible on Tomorrow's World Answers, and join us next week when Gerald Weston, Michael Haycoop, and I will bring you more biblical truth and the good news of tomorrow's world. To learn more, visit www.twcanada.org. You can also request today's offer by calling us at 1-866-784-7895 or by writing to Tomorrow's World, PO Box 409, Mississauga, Ontario, L5M 0P6. Welcome to Tomorrow's World Answers, where we answer your questions straight from the Bible. In Matthew 17, Jesus took Peter, James, and John high on a mountaintop. As he prayed, his appearance changed and the disciples saw Moses and Elijah with him. This is often referred to as the Transfiguration. What really happened at the Transfiguration? Let's review Matthew's account of the events in question. Jesus took Peter, James, and John his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared with them, talking with him. The term transfiguration refers to the change in the appearance of Jesus during this event. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white. The same description is given to Jesus in the first chapter of Revelation. God was giving Peter, James, and John a preview of what Jesus would later become. How do we know this is a preview? Well, the answer to that question also answers another question which can arise from this passage. If Moses and Elijah were present, does this mean that they had already been resurrected from the dead? Some have used this incident as proof that the reward of the saints is a trip to heaven immediately following death. Notice that Christ himself mentioned beforehand that some of his disciples would be given an important preview. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The original text did not include chapter breaks, and so the very next sentence begins the account of the transfiguration. Christ's second coming, when he establishes the kingdom of God on this earth, has not yet happened let alone did not happen during the lifetime of his disciples. What are we to make of this? The final key is found in verse 9. Now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. Let's put all the facts together. Jesus had promised that some, but not all of his disciples, would see his return before their death. Six days later, he takes three of them on a hill where they see Jesus take his future form in the presence of Moses and Elijah. He then refers to the whole incident as a vision. This means that the actual event had not yet occurred. If Christ had already returned and established the kingdom, then it is a tragic disappointment. What the disciples saw was a preview, a vision of the future. To submit a question for the show, email us at twanswers at tomorrowsworld.org. 
Be sure to watch us online at TWCanada.org or by searching Tomorrow's World Answers on YouTube. With this offer, you will also receive a free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, revealing God's principles for living a successful life while providing insight into current and future events. You can watch this and many more Tomorrow's World telecasts at our website or by subscribing to Tomorrow's World on YouTube. Visit us online or call 1-866-784-7895. This program is a production of The Living Church of God.